Lord, thanks so much for a chance to open your word now. And as we discover from it your intent for us, from creation, from the very beginning, your hope for us uh, in being image bearers of yourself, would you lead us into that life as Brad was praying? We want to just uh, conform uh, to your will. We want to head in your direction. We want to do what you desire. Uh, so teach us what that looks like today and then take us from here and lead us in doing it. As always, get me out of the way, speak in my place, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I got here yesterday to prepare, and I had a whole other sermon uh, kind of written. Uh, so if you use those notes for your life group, sorry, I completely rewrote them. So take very careful uh, attention to what I say. But uh, I felt like God wanted us to talk about something a little different. I was going to talk about the origin of man. I was going to talk about men, 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 you know, and um, go in that direction. But we're going to talk more about the Imago Day. Everybody say Imago Day. You just spoke Latin. Way to go. It means the image of God. And we're going to talk about every, everybody, every one of us, all of you, even if you don't believe there is a God. Uh, I believe that you were created by God for God in the image of God and that he has an intent, a purpose uh, for your existing. And we're going to kind of unpack that over the next couple of weeks. If you saw this title, uh, you might have thought of like, you know, maybe middle school health class, like we're going to talk about where babies come from, you know, the origin of man. Uh, but... Uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about uh, this, this Imago Day. But as, as long as we're talking about babies and where they come from, isn't it uncanny how some kids look exactly like their parents? Do you know any families like that where it's like, I know where you came from, right? Because they come out and they just look exactly. Now, I, I, you know, I, had, I bear some semblance to my, uh, uh, to my father when I was in middle school, especially the older ladies in my church would always call me my dad's name, Paul. Uh, I think it's just because I couldn't remember mine. But they always told me uh, that it was because I looked just like my dad. I don't see it. Uh, probably as I get older, I look more like him. But uh, we, we always did share a huge head. My dad's head is eight or was eight and a quarter inches around. Like when you put a snap back on his head, you couldn't even snap the snack back, a hat on his head. It was that big of a dome. And I have a pretty fat head too. So maybe that's what they were saying, you know, a couple fat heads. But... Uh, uh, but there are some kids, I mean, they just look exactly like their parents. There's, there's this lady, uh, uh, she's awesome, her name's Wendy, she works at her church. Uh, she and her husband, Steve, both do. Uh, but uh, they have this son, Jonah, and Jonah, when he was born, uh, I mean, if, if you held that baby up next to his mother's face, it was the same person just before and after. Are you, are you with me? And he's, you know, he's, he's a teenager now, and so, but he still just looks like, there's this one guy uh, that I worked with in Dallas, uh, his name was Steve. He sold me my first insurance policy. Still have it. But uh, um, his son Jordan was in my youth group. But no one called Jordan Jordan. You know what they called him? Xerox. You've got to be a certain age to get that. <clears throat> if you're under 25, think copy-paste, okay? <laughs> but if you remember copying machines in the era of that, uh, Xerox, that's what, that's what this kid's name was. This was his nickname. Because, I kid you not, it was like looking at the smaller version of his dad. He was, it, they had the, the same smile, same laugh, walked the same. They just called him Xerox. And I thought that was a great way for us to introduce this idea of Imago Dei. Did you know that every one of us was created to be the Xerox of God himself? We were meant to be, not just a chip off the old block, we were meant to be like him. That's what he created us for. It says as much in Genesis chapter 1 where it says, and we are created by God in his own image. It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, a couple of things in this verse, I've mentioned them before, but it bears mentioning again. Um, 
First of all, this is the first creation. We are the, we are the pinnacle of creation. We're the last things made. If you're reading through the first chapter of Genesis, God makes everything else that exists, and he finishes his work by making us last. All right? So we're last. We're also unique in that uh, we are the only creation that came as the result of a conversation. If you read through all the other days of creation, here's what happens. God says, let there be light, and there is, or let there be this, or let there be that, fish, birds, animals, land, sea, space, stars. He, he speaks everything into existence, and it is just as he says. He gets to the end of those days, and he says, man, mm, nailed it. It's good. But here on the sixth day, he's created the animals that, that fill our, our, uh, our worlds, our, our jungles and forests and farms. And, uh, but then he gets to us, and it's no longer just, and God said, let there be. Now there's a conversation. Who's God talking to? Himself in the mirror? No, we understand that God, and it's, it's so great that the Bible starts off this way, because right away you get this kind of inclination that God is plural. He is triune as we go on to discover from the rest of scripture he is three in one he is god the father god the and god the and so god existing as one god with three essences or three persons has this conversation this perfect deity uh discussion and he says hey let's make let's make something that looks just like us let's create something uh, that's different from everything else that we've created let's create man Let's create him in our image and in our likeness. That's what he did. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground. Uh, it's one of the only, well, it is the only creation uh, depiction where it, it goes beyond him just saying, and there it was. Now, there's a conversation. Let's make man in our image. And then there's an explanation. Here's how I did it. It says, God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Uh, that's what Adam means, or Adam. Adam. Adam means dirt. Okay? So that's what God called the first man. You're dirt. I think he did it for two reasons. He wanted us to remember where we came from. He never wanted us to get too uppity. Okay? Y'all remember, you're dirt. You're made. I'm the maker. Okay? But God says, hey, let's take him. Let's form him from the ground that I've already created And let's breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. What a great picture. Everybody knows that everything that was created in Scripture uh, in the first chapter here in Genesis, it was all God breathed. God said, like I'm speaking to you right now because I'm forcing air out of my lungs over my vocal cords. My brain's making my tongue twist so it sounds like words. I hope hope they're making sense, right? But I'm breathing this message to you, okay? So everything that existed or everything that existed and still exists was God breathed. God said and there it was, Okay? So God breathed everything into existence, but in this God breathing, it's very intimate. It's not just him saying, ex parte, let it be, and it is. He molds us with his hands. He breathes his very breath into our nostrils. Okay? He fills our lungs for the first time. I was trying to figure out yesterday what the uh, root form of resuscitation is. Is it it just resuscitation or something like that? But God resuscitates us or whatever that word is. You know what I'm talking about. He breathes into us. It's not like we stopped breathing and he had to resuscitate us. He just started it from the very beginning. It's one of the great ways for you to remember that you are created in the image of God. Just turn all the radios off, turn all the noise off, and just sit there and listen to yourself breathe. Everybody do it with me. We're We're all in the doctor's office. Deep breath. Ready? And out. That's how it started. 
God breathed his very breath into our lungs. And we had our existence. We had our being. It says that uh, uh, he breathed life into us, and, and then he planted a garden in Eden, and the rest of chapter 2 goes on to tell a story of that. If you ever wonder about chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's a huge debate as to whether one was added later to our text, but I don't think they were. I think Moses basically just did the engineers a favor in chapter 1. He just explained everything, details, duck, 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 right? Day 1 through 6, day 7, he rests. And then in chapter 2, he kind of goes into a more, I don't know, poetic kind of telling of the same story. He kind of rebrands it. He especially focuses on Eden and, and humanity, uh, Adam and Eve. And he, he basically tells the same story, but with, with a different vantage point. Are you with me? So, so here in chapter 2, we just have <coughs> him, him, him narrowing in on what happened with the man. He, he, he made him, breathed life into him, and then he put him in a garden called Eden uh, that he had formed. Uh, what, does, what does these verses you know, inform us of? Well, right off the bat, chapter one of your whole book, we know that God made us for him and for us to live in his likeness. How you doing with that? Everybody living in the likeness of your creator? I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, not here to discourage you, but all of us could be doing better. And a lot of us, sometimes we feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm nailing it. It's just because we don't really understand the extent of it, what this image is really all about. So that's what we're going to spend the next couple of weeks unpacking, this Imago Day, this image of God. What does it mean for us to bear the image of God? I'm going to answer that in three different ways this morning, but I want to kind of parlay that into my experiences as a basketball player. When I was in uh, middle school in my little home, uh, hometown in, in northern Maine, there wasn't a whole else, lot else going on except for high school athletics. Anybody grow up in that small town where, you know, there was football on Fridays or in the winter it was basketball? And, like, I lived in this town where if, if they had an away game, the signs at the, at the uh, gas and sip on the way out of town, it, it didn't give, like, the prices for bread that week. It just said, whoever's the last one in town, shut the lights off. It was, it was that town, Right. Because everybody was going to the game to watch the high school team play basketball against their rivals or whatever. So, so I grew up just uh, as an athlete, just aspiring to wearing that high school varsity uniform. And I made it as a sophomore. And, uh, and I remember getting my uniform for the first time. And there it was. I was holding up the jersey that just a few years before, this guy, Gary Hebert, who was like Allstate, uh, he wore. And I'm like, oh, this is Gary Hebert's uniform. It's like I was, you know, whatever. I, I had made it, Right? And I was going to wear Gary Hebert's number for the next three or years of my life. And I, I remember the coach coming in for our first game. I'd finally put my uniform on for the first time. I looked great. I know I look like an offensive guard now, but I was, <clears throat> I was the point guard back then. And I just, I was, I looked good, right? But the coach comes in and he says, hey, man, glad all you new guys are wearing your uniforms for the first time. He says, I want you to know for as long as you wear that uniform, you're going to honor that laundry is you're going to go out there and you're going to play with everything you got or I'll take that uniform away from you. When you go out in the town, you're going to live a life that reflects uh, the character and the integrity of what it is to be a member of this team. You're going to honor that laundry. And I remember being like, yes, sir. And then I wanted to run through a wall for him and all those things that come from, from good coaching. But I remember thinking that. I want to honor this uniform. You know that all of us were clothed in the likeness of God at the very beginning, Adam and Eve were given the laundry, the uniform that is God and his image. 
that our very existence is built around honoring him in the, in the path that he's created us to live. So let's talk about that. What does it take mean for us to bear the image of God? Three things. First one is this. We are created by God to act like he acts. We're created by God to act like he acts. God created us in his image. Some people say to me, well, if God created his image, do we physically look like God? Have you ever wondered that? Like, who's seen the pictures in the Sistine Chapel? Michelangelo? Uh, it's this, this one fresca, or whatever they call them, uh, the, a painting on the ceiling there in the Sistine Chapel. It's called The Creation of Adam. And it's a very familiar one. It's the guy, Adam, you know, he's pointing his finger up, and then God is pointing his finger down. Anybody seen that one? Right? Anybody remember what God looks like in that picture? What's he look like? Well, he looks like a man. Anybody remember what he's... His characteristics are? What color is his hair? He's got a beard? Who said he's got a beard? Total Duck Dynasty, right? I mean, just huge old, you know, furry face, right? And what color is his hair? Anybody know? White. So he's an old guy, right? Because Michelangelo's like, how do I, now it's called anthropomorphism. How, how do I make God look like something we can relate to? Well, he went with old man with a beard, all right? Wise old man, beard, up, we're down, okay? And he's reaching down. I was okay, not bad. Uh, Far Side and other cartoons, they, they picked up Michelangelo's idea. God is always a guy with a white beard, all right? But is God a guy with a white beard? No, it doesn't say that in Scripture. And God does not sh- doesn't say that, all right? Uh, we, we, we have some texts that kind of lead us to believe that God might have human traits. Like uh, in, in Exodus 30 to 33, it says that Moses wanted to see God in his glory, but God said, look, man, you can't look at my face because if you look at my face, you die. I'm, I'm that awesome right? And so in some texts, they render the Hebrew that God walked past Moses and he saw his robe or the edge of his robe. So maybe God has a face, maybe God wears a robe, whatever, all right? Uh, we certainly know that Jesus came in our form, right? Born as a baby, Christmas, right? Grows up, lives through all the stages, adolescence, everything, dies as a man, resurrects, still has his resurrection body, okay? And is coming back someday in his human form, to get us out of here, who wants to go? I'm ready. I'm ready. Like my life, but I'm, I think it's going to be better. I know it's going to be better. Anyway, so Jesus looks like a man. But in uh, Jesus' discussion with a woman at a well uh, in Samaria, he talks to this woman. And he says, uh, hey, what do you think about worship? And she says, well, you know, we're supposed to worship on this mountain. You guys worship on that mountain. He says, no, we're supposed to worship God in spirit and truth. Because God, verse 24 of chapter 4 of John, God is spirit, right? So mixed bag. Can I tell you what God looks like? No. Am I certain that he doesn't look like us? No. Am I certain that he does? No. So what does it mean here when God says, let's make man in our image? Is he talking about our physical looks? Maybe. But is he talking about our character? Absolutely. When God says, let's make man in our image, let's let's make him to act like us. And just so you know, for the first two chapters of the Bible, aces, man acted like God. Adam and Eve did right things. They chose right stuff, and then sin comes into the world. We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. Makes a mess. Anybody mad at sin? I'm mad at sin. I don't like it. it trips me up all the time. But it's as, it's as a result of these, uh, these you know, image bearers choosing not the image of God, right? But before that happened, everything was perfect. They acted exactly like God and honored him in every way. It's like they were uh, uh, emulating their parents. Anybody, ever, anybody in here becoming like your earthly parents? I am at a, at a breathtaking pace, right? 
Like I remember being a little kid and watching my dad pepper up on, an, on a, a mustard and bologna sandwich. I don't know why he ate mustard and bologna. Not my favorite. But he would put the bologna on the bread, he would put the mustard on the bread, and then he would just pe- I mean, I'm not kidding. He would coat the mustard and the bologna in such a way with pepper that you couldn't see the mustard or the bologna. All right? And I sat there looking at him like, Dad, you've just blackened your bologna. That, how can, I, think, I never said this out loud because he was bigger than me, but how can you, like, do that? That's just dis- disgusting. Well, I went out to eat with my beautiful bride the other night. We went to this PDQ. Have you been to it? It's pretty darn quick. But, uh, you know, I'm over there, <clears throat> and we're having some fries and some, you know, chicken or whatever, and I, I, I saw the fries, and I hadn't eaten. I hadn't had lunch that day, so I was like, oh, I'm going to have some of these fries. And so I sprinkle a little salt. That's bad for you. It's going to harden your arteries. Don't put all that on there, but just a little bit. And then I grabbed the pepper, and they got one of those grinder peppers, and I just started grinding. Like, I had never seen pepper before in my life. It was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eleanor's looking at me, and she just, and I'm like, I like pepper, you know? <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, bologna and mustard sandwich. I'm just like my dad. I have become... I love watching my daughter become like my wife. My wife is, I think, a pretty awesome lady, and that's why I married her, and super creative, always has ideas. And now my daughter has become this, like, like go on my daughter's Facebook. She wears stuff that I'm like, Kai, seriously, come on. But she's just trying some stuff out. She just kind of lives on that side of her head. She comes home, and she and Eleanor talk a different language. I just leave, right? But she's becoming like her mom, even at this early age. We're, we're, we're prone to do that with our parents, but did you know that every one of us in here was created to be God's Xerox? We were created to act like our Heavenly Father. He actually instilled in us, or installed in us, his own version of a GPS. I call it God's positioning system. He, uh, he has, C.S. Lewis talks about it in Mere Christianity. It's like this river that flows for everybody. Even people who deny the existence of God have this sense of morality inside of them that they know what's right and what's wrong. And that is them experiencing the image of God within them. So like you and I, we're educated in it from the scriptures, and we hang out and we try a little bit harder than maybe some other people, but, but we know what's right and wrong, and we can sense it because it's in us, and it's the image of God coming out of us when we choose what's right over what's wrong. I got hit by a car on uh, Wednesday night. I was up in uh, Zephyr Hills. Uh, I was in my truck, and I was just parked at the stoplight, and this uh, Toyota Camry didn't stop. Like, I didn't hear the brakes or anything, and it just ran up under my truck. This is what it looks like. Yeah. Cars just come apart now. Has anybody been in an accident? Cars just come, they've, they've engineered them to just fall apart so that all of the impact. So this is the strap that was in the back of my truck. He was going to try to drive his car, uh, you know, after airbags deployed and all this stuff. Anyway, he comes up to the window, knocks on our windows after the accident right after and make sure that we're all okay and we are all we were everybody's fine no you know hey look see i'm fine and uh and so we start talking about this well he he starts telling me this story of they just moved down here and and uh, you know they're trying to find where it would be great if they could forego the cost of the ticket if i could just drive this back to where i'm going and you know long story i won't tell you but he says hey would it be okay with you if we just kind of and you know i was kind of dazed and listen for one moment here's what i thought what would God do? Well, God's a merciful God. This guy's down on his luck. You know, maybe it's, 
it's, it's, a, it's a good idea in this situation for me to honor this guy by just being like, yeah, I know it's going to be expensive for you to pay off your insurances. And he, oh, and by the way, he'd give me his insurance and all that stuff. So it wasn't like, you know, completely weird. I mean, he's like, here, let's just exchange insurance. You go your way, I'll go mine, and, and let the insurance deal with it. And something in me said, no, let's not do that. Let's call the police. Let's, and so it was going to take 45 minutes or an hour for us to get through all this stuff. But we did walk through it all. And, of course, I find out the next day that this guy's insurance, while it looked like it was real, was not. And uh, so it was an uninsured situation. And at least I had the, you know, the police report and all those things so that I'm not going to have an increase in my insurance because it's no fault and all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. It was a good thing. But in that one instance, and there's so many of them, I, that's just one thing that happened in my week. So many of them that you're like, no, I could do this, but I'm going to do this. And it turns out to be the thing that is right in that situation. Whenever you choose the right, that's the image of God coming out of you. Because God created us to act like he does. Whenever you feel shame or conviction over having chosen the wrong, and it eats at you until you can't live with that anymore, and you got to get it out, that's God reminding you to act like him after the fact. And bringing you back into restoration in, in the relationship that you've offended or in the, you know, the choices that you made. That, that's God's GPS affecting act after the fact. When, when, when you, listen, when you cry at, at acts of mercy, like when Ty Pennington builds somebody a house, I know it's not on the, on the you know, show anymore, but, but when, when you would watch that, I used to watch that five, ten years ago, it was on TV, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just watching a dude get a house on TV. I didn't get a house, I didn't get anything. <laughs> it's so beautiful. They got a house. They play the songs, and the kid runs in and sees his room. <laughs> you know why do you do that? You know why you do that? Because that is the God in you resonating with mercy, mercy being bestowed on some people who probably don't even believe there is a God. But you're just seeing mercy, and you're like, boom! That that res- resonates with my emotions. If you get fired up at a movie that's got heroes in it, you know why you love seeing the hero win. Because God's our hero. And we resonate with, with uh, good having victory over evil. I mean, just even on, the, on an entertainment basis, we see the image of God act that out us, in us all over the place. When I say around here that our mission is to surrender to God, you know what I'm really saying? I'm saying our mission is to conform to the likeness that we were created in. To surrender to God is to say no to myself and all the things that this world offers and to submit to him and his GPS and his direction in my life. That's what our mission is. It's what our design is. It's what we're created for. We were created by God to act as he acts. We we were created by God, secondly, (coughs) oh, did I not read the verses? Bad preacher. God said, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and that's what he did. He created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female, and that's what I was supposed to read you before I went off on all that. Can I go to the next point now? Second thing is this. We are created by God to lead like he leads, to lead like he leads, to be responsible like God is. I'll read the verses on this one. Here we go. And God blessed them. Who's glad that God blesses us? Anybody glad? And God said to them, these, this, this first uh, man and woman, he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything, that, or every living thing that moves on the earth. 
Uh, God uh, goes beyond what he said to the fish and the birds in uh, Genesis 1.22, because God said these same things to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God said that to the fish and birds, go. But here he expands on what he says to the humans. He says, do that, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. But in addition to that, take care of the rest of the earth. Subdue, that means it's a Hebrew word for trample or tread. Kind of put your foot on the earth. Uh, submit it to yourself. Have dominion, that means be in control of. Uh, you, you are, this is what God said, you are my vice regents. It, 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 who remembers, who, who's the oldest in your house? Anybody, uh, the oldest child, who's the oldest child? Okay, so you oldest children, do you have brothers and sisters? If you were the oldest child, you were the first babysitter to come along in that family of the other kids. Who, who remembers that, right? First time you were old enough to watch the other ones? Weren't you just loving it? You were like, yeah. Things are going to be different around here now. <laughs> Milk! Right? Kind of went to your head a little bit, didn't it? Right? But was it your house? Were you in charge? Nope. You were just in charge as long as mom and dad were gone. And the informer in the group, there's always one in every family, they were going to let your mom and dad know everything that you did that was a little bit, you know, beyond what you should have done, right? (laughs) Hope you're not sitting in the same row as the informer. But that's what God did with us. He hasn't left. He's still actively involved in his creation and in our lives. But what he's done with humanity is he says, you guys are special. You guys are different from everybody else. Your job is to subdue and to have dominion over my creation. It's yours. Take care of it. There's some great things that come with that. There's awesome benefits. Is everybody glad to be out of the food chain? Who's glad to be at the, uh, at the pinnacle of the food chain? We are, we are the consumers of everything else. We're out of the food chain. That's a good thing. Like as long as you, you know, don't go swimming in the Great Barrier Reef, don't go hiking out in the woods where the grizzlies are, you stay out of the food chain. And everything else that exists is in your downline. You can eat that. That's pretty cool. Some of us aren't appreciative of the fact that we're not in the food chain. You should be. It'd be a bummer to wake up every day and have to run for your life. (laughs) We can use the rest of creation for our benefit. Who lives in a house? Come on. Like four of us live in houses? What a (laughs) homeless church we are. Man, how sad. We got to get benevolence going around here. Most of us live in a domicile, a house or an apartment or whatever, right? Do you know how they made those? Trees. Do you know who made the trees? God. Isn't it great that we are the ones who get to say, hey, God made all this stuff, and I'm going to use it for my benefit. I'm going to use it for my comfort. I mean, we got all sophisticated with our engineering, but everything that makes your life better, God made the original parts. All kinds of benefits. I could go on. But what are our responsibilities with these benefits in our uh, vice regency, it's us being in charge as God has placed us in charge. With all those benefits, we have some responsibilities. It says in chapter 2, verse 15, that God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden for two specific purposes, to work it and to keep it. Now, the rest of Scripture speaks to other responsibilities that we have, but we'll just start with these here in chapter 2. We are here as God's agents to produce in the world that he's created and to protect the world that he's created. We're here to take... Uh, what he's given us and our intelligence and our smarts and figure out ways uh, to be more productive with what he's already created. Like, did you know in the, in the backyard here we have this awesome garden that, uh, you know, like 400 people have volunteered in already this year. It's pretty awesome. And there's people back there who are producing, you know, uh, from seeds food for 
uh, families in our neighborhoods and for our food banks. It's great. But did you know you can grow plants in a kiddie pool? It's called hydroponics. They put styrofoam over uh, you know, some water in a kiddie pool, and they, they make all these starts. I don't know how it works. Ask one of the farmers up there. But we've figured out how to make plants without dirt. How cool is that? Is that cool for anybody? And that would be an example of us producing or, or advancing the things that God put out here already. Uh, we, we make more than enough food to feed the earth. We just throw it out most of it, right? But that hasn't always been the case. And so uh, in lots of ways, through the technologies and advancements, we are you know, producing. But that is the mission of God's created, of those of us who are created God's image. It's a mission for us to be productive. But it's our mission to be protective as well. So I mean, like, here he goes. If he brings up global warming, I'm going to flash my whatever card for my political party, and we're going to have a war. Now, okay, everybody settle down. This isn't CNN. I don't care which way you vote. Well, I, do, I do kind of. I shouldn't say that. That was flippant. Keep going. All right. Um, <laughs> but I will tell you this. The earth and what it contains, it's not a political decision. It's a spiritual decision. You and I are the keepers of God's creation. That's why it should offend you that, that people train dogs to fight each other to the death. It should offend you because that's a misappropriation of what God created, I believe, dogs to do. Okay? Uh, you don't have to adopt dogs, but it should stir your heart when Sarah McLaughlin starts singing over, you know, dogs in those commercials. It should stir your heart because you're a care, caretaker. You don't have to go get one, but you should be like, oh, that's too bad. Because you're a caretaker of creation, right? You sh- it, it, it should offend you that you litter or that someone else litters. Like, I'm, I'm 46 now. I'm picking up people's garbage. Is anybody else doing that? Like, I walk from my office to, or from my truck to my office Kids are up here all during the week, and they leave their, their shrapnel everywhere. There's just kid shrapnel everywhere. And I'll be walking along, and I'll be like, dang, kids, bottle here. God loves them. I wish I did. You know, this thing over here. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm picking up garbage. As I'm, that never happened before I turned 40, but now it's like a deal with me. I gotta, like, like, I'll drop something, even inadvertently. Like, I try not to litter, but I'll drop a receipt or something like that as I'm walking out of a store. I'll take four steps, and the Holy Spirit will say, receipt! Oh, my Do you know why I think that's happening? Because I pray all the time that God would conform me to his image. And God created our earth to be protected by us as image bearers. So yeah, we need to lead like God leads. There's other components of leadership, I know. But just in those areas of provision, or excuse me, production and protection, we need to be aware of those things. But the last thing I want to talk to you about in our time is this part of the image of God that we need to be careful to emulate. We're created by God to act like he acts. We're created by God to lead like he leads. But we're also created by God to love like he loves. Remember, remember our creation came as the result of a conversation where there's, there's this um, you know, triune, mutual dependence and, and love for each other in, the, in our very deity, our God, right? And he created us in his likeness so that we would have that same kind of love relationship with him and us and that we would have that same kind of love relationship with each other. It's like one of the chief quests of humanity is to love like their God loves. I see uh, in the verses we're about to read that this is a multifaceted area of discussion. 
But I'll just give you three that basically come up in, in God's first proclamations over mankind. Uh, they're, they're loving directionally, loving provisionally, and then loving with a willingness to explain. Loving directionally, loving provisionally, and loving with a willingness to explain. Look at what it says here. It says, God bless them, and God said. I, I highlighted that because we should not take for granted that God is involved with us. Do we deserve, do we merit involvement with the Holy God? Does he have to talk to us? No. He created us special. You're special. Everybody turn to the person next to you and say, you're special. You're special. You're special because God goes, listen, God, it says, in, now settle down. Don't get, <laughs> you're really special. I sat in this row just so I could meet you. Anyway, um, <laughs> that creeper church. All right. Uh, <clears throat> but that God speaks to us. Like God spoke to the, to the other you know, parts of creation in, in Genesis 1.22. He says to the fish and the birds, he says, go forth and multiply, fill the earth. But he stops there. And I, I, he's involved with the other parts of his creation, but, but he speaks to us because we're like him. We're made in his image. We're made to experience this love relationship with him. And so he speaks to us, and in, in this first, uh, you know, chose, chosen speak, uh, first words that he chose to speak to us, that's what I meant to say. He, said, <laughs> he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish and sea, over the, thing, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, he gives us a command. Everybody see, that's the imperative. He says, be fruitful, go multiply, go fill, go subdue, go do, have dominion. He's, he's telling us what to do. Most of us don't like hearing from someone when they tell us what to do. You're not the boss of me. We, we, we chafe at that because we like to be our own gods. We like to tell ourselves what to do. But you know one of the most loving things you could do for other people is to tell them what to do? Not tell them where to go, but tell them what to do. Tell them what to do. Give them direction. It's a loving thing, especially when you're directing them towards the things that will bring them the best in their lives. That's what God said to these, these first humans. Hey, I created in my, you my image. I created this whole system so that you could function in it and have the very best life possible. So here's my first directive. Go forth, multiply, fill the earth. Subdue it, have dominion over it. It's going to work great. Are you with me? And the humans, or Adam and Eve, were like, yeah, let's do it. And for two chapters, they did. And it was great because it was just as God designed. As an earthly father, I find myself doing this with my kids. My son, Ben, uh, has like a couple semesters left of school. And uh, uh, he is getting towards the end of being done with books. Anybody remember that if you went through college? If I never read another book, it'll be too soon, right? And he's there, and he wants to quit. Parts of him want to end this pain that is college and trying to keep scholarships and all the things that he's had to apply himself to for all these years. And then the other half of him knows that we've already determined it. At the outset of his college career, this is a good idea for you to have a college degree. Not everybody has one. It's totally fine, but it's a good idea if you have one. If you can get one, get one. And if you're this close to having one, finish. And so he calls me with this, I can't take it anymore. I just don't want to do it anymore. Hey, Ben, it's your dad. Let's recap, right? I'm sending you money. We're doing this together. We're making this happen, and you will finish. Thus saith the Lord, Right? I don't put myself in that place, but I feel like it's my job, like it says in Hebrews, to be someone who loves by spurring another one on towards their love and their good deeds and the things that they should be doing. And it's not, if you do it in the right spirit, it's not bossy. It's honoring to direct people. 
Anybody have kids uh, when they were young have puzzles like this? You know, you take it out and you put it. Puppy goes with puppy. Kitten goes with kitten, right? Parrot with parrot, right? And, and, and we, we saw our kids take this. And, and every time they would put puppy with puppy, we'd be like, yay, good boy. I'm not raising a moron. Yay, right? But every once in a while, we give it to our kids, and they're like, no, I want Kitty to go with puppy. Eh, 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 eh. And we rush in there, and we're like, oh, no, he's a moron. (laughs) And so what do we do? Well, we stoop over this child and say, does Kitty not fit with puppy? I wonder where Kitty goes. Could it be possible that Kitty goes with Kitty? (gasps) Let's slide him over there and see if he fits. And the kid's like, eh? And we're like, yeah, now where does puppy go? Do you think puppy could go with puppy? Yay! You're not a moron again. Yay! Does anybody think God kind of stoops over us in life? And we're trying to force something. We're pretty sure we know better than he does. This is what we got to do. Puppy goes with kitty, man. Puppy goes with kitty. <laughs> and God comes to us, sometimes real gentle like a mother, sometimes not so gentle, right? But he does whatever he needs to do to help us understand. No, puppy goes with puppy. Kitty goes with kitty. We're going to do it this way because it's for your good. And ultimately, there's a whole other area, a subject to talk about, but it's for my glory that you do what I designed you to do. So let's do that. And it's one of the most loving things that God does for us is he directs us. And so if we're going to bear the image of our creator, we need to be lovingly directive in our relationships with people around us. We need to, <clears throat> we need to be lovingly provisional. Look what it says in verse 29. It says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, and you shall have them for food. Here you go. I created this whole world, and you can eat most of it. How great is that? You didn't didn't have to, like, go out there and try to figure out plants. I made them. And you can eat them. How loving it is of God to provide us what we need to exist. He is not just our creator. He's our subsister. He's, He's the one who brings all that we need into the life that we live. And I've talked about this the last couple weeks. Most of us fail to recognize that on an, at an alarmingly uh, uh, regular uh, you know, pace. Or, or, like we, we forget that God is our Jehovah Jireh all the time. Jehovah Jireh means that God is our provider. And we forget all that he's given us, and we just focus in on the things that he hasn't. Stupid truck. Old truck. Now I've got a big dent in my bumper truck, right? Okay, I'm complaining about a truck that I own and drive when I do that. That God has given me a job. Stupid job. Hate that job. Hate my boss. Hey, try life without that job. And see how much you appreciate that job once it's gone. That's what we do. We, we, we forsake uh, looking at the things that God has provided for us. And we instead look at all the things that he hasn't. But I would submit to you that as, as those who are created in God's image, we, we need to be appreciative of what God has given us, and then we need to be providers to other people of what they need in life because that's who God is. He's a provider. 
How about this last one? God is our explainer. Look what it says here in verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So, so he's having this conversation with Adam and Eve. And he says, all right, here's my commandment for you. Go forth, multiply, subdue, and, do, and have dominion. He says, hey, here's everything that I've given to you so that you can do that. Right? And then he, he answers a question that I don't remember Adam asking. Hey, how are we going to feed everything else? How are we going to take care of everything? I mean, you gave me this job of having dominion over everything. How are we going to take care of all of them? And God answers this question that was never, you know, uh, put in the notes. He, he says, hey, just so you know, I'm taking care of everything else here on the earth. I'm, I'm, here, to, I'm here to do what I've commanded you to do with you. And I've set it up so that you can be successful. See, God is this great explainer. Has anybody read the Bible and been like, oh, I never got that before, but now I understand how I'm supposed to love my wife in a better way, how I'm supposed to be a parent in a better way, how I'm supposed to do it. And it's because through the, the living word of God, through the, the living body of Christ, the, the, the people of God, through, through the Holy Spirit and his revelation to us in our own self, God is explaining things all the time. And here's why that's so important. Because when we don't know, we get kind of antsy. We can get discouraged. Anybody here not had the answers to something and it's made you really nervous or just really sad? And all of a sudden, you're just like, I'm in an impasse. I don't know what to do next. And all of us would love to know everything. Who in here, some of you think you do know everything, but who in here would like to know everything? Wouldn't that be just a great thing to know why everything happens? And I mean, we ask those questions all the time. God doesn't give us those answers. He wants us to live by faith. It's another sermon. But what he does often is in the absence of a full answer is he gives us enough. And he reveals enough for us so that we can follow him with his GPS into the things that he has for us. He's the grand explainer of things. In his, his explanations and his assurances, he gives us peace so that we can function as his image bears, acting like he acts, leading like he leads, loving like he loves. May God grant, listen, you, I don't know where you are in your journey. If you're just starting in the whole God thing, maybe you're coming back after a long break. Uh, maybe you've been at this for a long time. You're an elder in our church. You've been, you're a, you're, you're, you've been at this for a long time. Let me boil this all down for you. What, what our existence is all about, what our purpose in life is. We are created by God, for God, to bear the image of God. We are here to act like him, to lead like him, to love like him. Come back next week, I'll tell you more of what it is for us to be the image bearers of God. But that is our very reason for existing is to be like our God. We know that uh, that all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. The rest of the Bible tells us that story. This sin thing that comes in in chapter 3, it makes a mess of this image that we bear. The only thing that can rectify our image is, is, the, is the forgiveness that comes through a belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Many of you have chosen that today. Some of you haven't yet. I would love to stand in this corner and tell you about him so that you can get back to what you were made for, and that is bearing the image of your God. Can we pray? Hey, Lord, thanks so much for a chance to just uh, share in these few verses this morning from the front of your book and to figure out from you the, the ways that you want us to live. We know that you made us for you uh, so that we could look like you. Uh, help us to do that. Uh, help us wherever we are in our journey to understand you, to choose you, and to, and to 
to seek to look and be like you in every area of our lives. God, that's what we pray, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I'll be over here in the corner.